0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adoran Talks Sports, the only sports podcast that talks about every team in the league that is being discussed. I am your host, Adoran or Andrew himself. Another week in the books for the NFL, and uh, I'm I'm just going to throw this out there. Have you noticed? The same sort of trend i've been noticing that there are just there just feels like there's a bunch of upsets no team is really solid i think there's a lot of instances where specific teams that you think okay i have a general idea of how this team is supposed to operate and then out of nowhere bam something happens either this week basically with the last couple of weeks i want to say the last three weeks where it's just like okay i have no idea what's going on now um a continuation of that because I, I, for the past couple of weeks in predictions, I've been exactly 500 uh, this week and last week together of the 14 games, and each week I've gotten seven of them right on both games, which sounds decent enough, but if you've, if you've ever tried predicting games, you're usually above 500 because there's enough games that are pretty secure. You'll have your team that's really dominant against your team that really isn't, uh, and a few of those that you're just like, yeah, I have an idea of what's going on. Uh, not the case over the past couple of weeks, and I think just in general, since, uh, maybe week seven-ish? Since around week seven, uh, this league has not made any sense, and I am eager to get into why exactly that is the case. Uh, before we get started, though, if you'd like to, uh, follow the podcast, you can click the follow button wherever you're listening to this podcast. Check out all of the previous episodes, although frankly, uh, I would understand why you wouldn't want to, because why bother learning about week three when you already are in week eleven? Um, if you want to check them out, they're available. Uh, all very great, very good. You can probably tell improvements in my ability to talk about the NFL over the past couple of uh, weeks, but we shall see. Things get more casual. Uh, leave us a review wherever you are listening to podcasts, because reviews help to let me know, you know, what What can I improve on? Or you can just tell me what I can improve on by tweeting at me, at Adoran Region, where uh, you can find out all the fun things that go along with that including my predictions that i talk about each week i'll be talking about that as we get into each game and you could just let me know you know what uh, why my predictions are terrible oh why would you choose this team instead of that team that's a ridiculous choice or alternatively if you want to be nice you could be like wow i can't believe you made that bold prediction that worked out perfectly great um so as usual uh went through over the past couple of days just watched all of the games uh now of course i watched them uh, I either watch the full broadcast sped up, or I watch the condensed version, uh, slightly sped up, I guess. So that 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 explains why I can see you know t- 24 hours worth of games and not 24 hours worth of free time. But at the end of the day, we are here, we are ready, and without further ado, we shall begin with the first matchup of the day. To be fair, I said first matchup of the day, but of course, first matchup of the week. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens at the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins come away with the upset win. This is a perfect example of a game that you feel like, hey, I know who's going to win this, and that doesn't happen. This is the epitome of this week. The Dolphins come away with an upset, frankly, all based on that fourth quarter, because this game was ugly to begin with. Uh, It started off with just field goals being shared back and forth. Uh, If you had checked out this game, Uh, I forget when exactly they were saying this during the broadcast. Somewhere in like the middle of the third quarter, but they were saying like there have been more punts than points scored in the game. That is ridiculous to say, especially over halfway through a game. Um, but at the end of the day, the Dolphins come away with the victory here on the efforts of a defense? A defense. That's basically it. Um, that's what kind of won this game here. Uh, the turning point of the game is the Xavier Howard fumble recovery for the touchdown. Um, that was This was such a weird game to watch because it didn't feel like anything was happening despite things happening. So Lamar Jackson ends the game 26-43 for 238 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and four, he was sacked four times, 28 yards on those sacks. He ran the ball, but not very effectively. The team as a whole kind of struggled on the rushing side of things. They only ran the ball 23 times for 94 yards. Miami ran the ball 22 times for 60 yards. Neither of these teams ran the ball particularly well. Um, If we want to, I should probably go back to that. Uh, The Dolphins had two quarterbacks playing through the game. Jacoby Brissett started the game 11 for 23, 156 yards, and then got injured halfway through the game. Tua came in who, as a reminder, is technically still injured. He has a finger injury, um, but came into the game and played pretty well. I think once he got his, himself into a groove, uh, 8 of 13, 158 yards, uh, neither of the Dolphins quarterbacks had a touchdown or interception, uh, and they were sacked a couple times as well. Um, overall, I think this was just a game where neither team was really in it. Baltimore on a short week after a rough game last week, uh, the Dolphins just being the Dolphins themselves, they've sort of struggled this year in general because um, this game, this win only brings them up to 3-7 and seven. they were 2-7 and seven before this obviously uh, and just in general, it felt like either both defenses were doing really well or both offenses struggled a lot and you could tell that throughout the game as a whole just a lot of 3-and-outs, a lot of long drives that lead to nothing um, there, were, there were a lot of field goals in general, which is a sign like teams are able to move down the field and not get enough uh, and yeah, not not a not a not a particularly interesting game, as we go through it. Um, so Tua came into the game a few minutes into the third quarter, and then from there it felt like that that sort of readjusted the Dolphins in a way, not necessarily to play better, but just to play different. And then once Tua got into a groove, he was starting to make some good passes, play the game pretty well, uh, and just thinking to myself like they had a few big uh, big opportunities to be able to go down the field and just score their points that they needed to get um overall this there was a close uh opportunity at the end there was an outside shot I guess if you want to consider that uh but this game was pretty dominated by I think if you have to pick one side that won it would be the Dolphins defense that won this game because uh not just the, the the touchdown that the defense was able to score but just overall it felt like they had, they had stifled Lamar in a way that I don't think many teams have been able to do so far this year. Um, so, that is that. Dolphins come away with the victory now. Um, which, you know, it's good. I, they have a rough shot at making the playoffs, I think, just because of how the AFC is really stacked this year. Um, I don't think they have a realistic shot, barring a big one now. Uh, this is more of an impact on the Baltimore's uh season as now that AFC North, which the as time goes on, it makes even less and less sense, uh, is really just going to be a dogfight until the very end. Next game on the list, the Tennessee Titans and the New Orleans Saints go head-to-head. The Titans come away with a victory, moving them to 8-2, and two, and so far, I guess you could say the class of the AFC. I say I guess you could say because The AFC has been notoriously competitive. Notorious probably is in the report. Uh, Incredibly competitive, I guess. Uh, With so many top-heavy teams that are fighting there. There's so many teams that are fighting for a playoff spot due to good records. As opposed to the NFC, where a lot of teams are fighting for basically the 7th seed. Because there's six good teams and then the rest, uh, we'll get into that in a bit. The saints are one of the teams that are really relatively secure in a playoff spot wise. I think coming into the game, they were the six seed, but today's loss does bump them down a little bit. Uh, Going into the game, Trevor Simeon starts uh, for the injured Jameis Winston, who was out for the rest of the season. He went 19-34, 298 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I thought he played a pretty good game overall. Uh, Again, the Saints' offensive system, especially now with Simeon in as opposed to Jameis, is very much just take what we can get and we're going to win off our defense. Because while Sean Payton is famous for his fantastic offenses, this team is a defensive team. Um... On the other side of the field, the Titans, Ryan Danahill goes 19-27 for 213 yards and a touchdown as well. Um a good game for him, nothing too spectacular, but again, you're not really expecting that. Uh, what you are expecting from the Titans, though, is normally a very big run game, but with Derrick Henry out for I don't want to say the entire season, because I felt like I remember seeing something like if he if they go deep into the playoffs, maybe he comes back or maybe he comes back in like week 17, so he's out for a long time, at the very least. Uh, neither team ran the ball particularly effectively, or a lot. Uh, the 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 Saints ran it 21 times for 86 yards and the Titans ran it 29 times for 66 yards. Again, not particularly uh, big. At the end of the day, this game just boiled down. This was a pretty solid game, nothing too spectacular. I thought it was just a nice back and forth sort of game. Um... With neither team particularly doing much in the first quarter, uh, it took a while for either team to get started, uh, it, it basically until around halftime when Tannehill uh, did the QB sneak for the touchdown. Uh, that's when this game started to get blown open Titans-wise. Uh, Titans took a pretty big lead, I guess relatively speaking, they were up 20-6 to at one point, uh, and then Trevor Simeon and the... Uh, t- I was going to say Trevor Simony on of the Broncos, because he used to play for the Broncos, but, you know, the Saints. Uh, came back, nice attempt, but unfortunately just a bit short at the end of the day. One cool thing to note, I saw Mark Ingram a lot during this game, and I think in this game he overtook uh, Deuce McAllister as the Saints' leading rusher. Always a cool thing to see when you see uh, franchise records being, uh, you know, broken. Very nice to see, but... Uh, in this game Titans I think now with the playoff picture the way that it is I believe that the Titans are the number one seed now um let me just make sure that's the case um yeah the Titans are the number one seed in the AFC right now um ahead of the Bills by a couple of games now so uh and especially with the Titans I think they mentioned on the broadcast that the Titans either have the easiest schedule or the easiest schedule in the AFC. Um, they've got a very easy schedule going up, especially with their division being what it is with the Texans and Jaguars struggling this season. Um, don't look now, but the Titans' number one seed is pretty secure, I think. Uh especially with the the rest of the teams that are uh, in that competition are uh, a couple of games back. So good news for the Titans. You might have a first round bye and Best opportunity this deck this century, technically speaking, because I don't think the Titan Super Bowl was um, considered this century. Best shot this century to make a playoff push. So those first two games were games that I predicted incorrectly. Uh, we're gonna go through a few games that I predicted correctly, and a few of them are gonna be big blowouts. Here is one of them: the uh, New York Jets and Buffalo Bills go head to head. The Bills with a victory here. 45 to 17 over the Jets um I hate to say it because he's become a cult classic but I think the Mike White uh, magic has run out or at least uh started on empty. Uh he struggled in this game unsurprisingly against a dominant Bills defense. Mike White goes 24 of 44 with 251 yards, no touchdowns and four interceptions. Now granted I I remember at least one of them not being his fault. Like I I really wish that there was an easy way to track, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes as well, an easy way to track, uh, interceptions that are the quarterback's fault versus interceptions that are the receiver's fault. Because it goes into the book as an interception either way, but if the QB overthrows a ball by 10 yards and it's picked off, that's very clearly the QB's fault, as opposed to if it goes right into the receiver's hands and the receiver bounces it up like it's volleyball and it's intercepted, that's clearly the receiver's fault. Um... You, there's a difference between those two, obviously, but uh, either way, no matter how you want to dice it, Mike Wake very much struggled in this game. Uh, the the rush game for the Jets as well, 22 rushes for 70 yards, not particularly great or poor either way. Uh, the turnovers kind of killed them. There was a fumble as well that I remember um, the Jets having that just added on to the turnover battle. And this was very clearly like the Bills took this lead and then just kind of ran with it. That's it. Game set and match. Uh there was no way the Jets were coming. At one point, in the game the score was thirty-eight to three, not likely to come back at that point. And thirty-eight to three was at what point in the game? I think six minutes left in the third. Yeah. So once that happened, uh, it was very much just let's see what the Jets can uh, can get out of their uh, playing, playing, you know, their starters and stuff like that. Just practice at that point. Um, for the Bills, Josh Allen, a relatively pedestrian sort of performance when it comes to like statistically uh very good performance but for Josh Allen you know this is kind of standard at this point 21 to 28 366 yards two touchdowns the interception uh that he had he didn't run the ball a lot in this game though with it being as big of a blowout as it was kind of glad that he didn't get too many hits uh the rushing game was really good for Buffalo 24 rushes for 139 yards and they had four rushing touchdowns um you know Good job there. The four rushing touchdowns were spread out across uh, multiple players: Devon Singletary, Matt Breida, Zach Moss, and Isaiah McKenzie. Each had a rushing touchdown, uh, along with you know a handful of carries for each of them. In this game, I think nothing. There aren't really any points you can bring out of this. It was very clear that the Bills were the better team about halfway through the game, and it just kind of steamrolled from there. Uh, it'll be interesting interesting to see what the Jets do now. Um, any sort of debate that uh, fans that jumped to conclusions took with the Mike White performances in the past couple of games is probably gone now. I think Mike White definitely has a shot of being a really good backup in this league, and uh, if he gets the consistency or the can keep up the performance that he had in the past couple of games, um, not including this one, then there is a chance he could be a starter, a la uh, Trevor Simeon, for example. Um, but... It'll be interesting to see now. Uh, it doesn't look like Zach Wilson is going to be back next week because the Jets, I believe, have announced Joe Flacco as a starter. Interesting decision. Uh, I'm unsure why exactly Flacco is considered the starter. If if Zach Wilson is able to play, I would put him in there. Or if he's still injured, then put Mike White in there. I'm not sure why he wouldn't continue to start. it. We know what Joe Flacco has. We don't really know what Mike White has. But, um... You know, it's a, the it's a Jets that can do what they would like to do um, in their matchup next week against the Dolphins. It's a very winnable game as well, so uh, we will see what happens there. Uh, Bills have an outside shot at getting number one seed, but the Titans are a couple of games ahead, so if they've locked them themselves into the battle for the number two seed, because uh, the two through four seeds are all half a game away from each other, so it'll be important for the Bills to, if they want to keep that number two seed to really continue their trends of blowing out opponents, Uh, next week they're going up against the Colts, so that'll be a cool matchup to see. So we've talked about so far an upset in the Ravens match, a close matchup in the Saints match, a blowout in the Bills match, now let's talk about a ridiculous matchup. The Detroit Lions at the Pittsburgh Steelers, guess what? It's a tie in what I can only describe as a very Steelers thing to do. The Steelers uh, over, I want to say, like, the half, last, like, half-decade have been notorious for playing up and down to their competition. This is no exception. They epitomized it, put a bow on it, by tying the Detroit Lions, who can officially say they're not going 0-17 this season. Um, now, granted, will they go 0-16-1? Is that a better record than the 0-16? Yeah, I guess it would, because the tie counts as, like, half a win or something, right? Um, this was just a... Ugly game, I think. Uh, I'm trying to remember how exactly this game went. Let me go through the play sheets and just see how this went. Um, yeah, this is about this is about what I thought it was. Very ugly game throughout this entire game. Uh, neither team acted like they wanted to win this game, and I know that's that's a uh, a what's it, a symbolism or metaphor that uh, is not realistic by any sense of course by any stretch of the imagination. Of course, both teams want to win the game. But looking at how it played out, there were a lot of mistakes made by Pittsburgh that allowed Detroit to stay into this game. So, uh, in this game, Ben Roethlisberger was out injured, and so Mason Rudolph came in to replace him. I thought he played okay. Nothing too spectacular. He went 30 for 50, which sounds like a lot of attempts, but again, this game went into overtime. 30 for 50 for 242 yards, touchdown, and an interception. Uh, Didn't get sacked, which I thought was a good note. Uh, The Steelers' offensive line has been playing really well as of late, which has helped their uh potential offensive rookie of the year Najee Harris uh run fantastically he continued that this game 26 of 105 um and the Steelers as a whole ran the ball 30 not, sorry 31 times for 145 yards uh did very well in that respect but three turnovers really didn't help uh let's see Deontay Johnson had a fumble that was lost Pat Freermuth had a fumble that was lost, and the interception that I mentioned previously by Mason Rudolph all cut down on different opportunities that uh, the Steelers had to be able to score points. The Lions, technically speaking, this was the best game they've had. Jared Goff didn't do a lot in this game. 14 of 25 for 114 yards, no touchdowns or picks uh, in this game. They didn't have a lot of uh, turnover plays or any bad plays, per se, uh, though Goff did get sacked four times. The big thing that Detroit did this game was something very un-Detroit-like, especially during the Stafford era, and that's run the ball. They ran the ball 39 times for 229 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, The first time that they had a 200-yard rushing game in like half a decade or something like that was what the broadcast was saying, it was a long time. Uh, and that was the uh, the issue whenever Stafford was playing is that they either relied on Stafford's arm too much or they just couldn't build a running game. They started bringing in a bunch of running backs to try to get that you know, second option, but it wasn't available because that running back wasn't particularly good or the offensive line wasn't that good or the offensive scheme was just heavily focused on the pass or something like that. Uh, Dave Campbell has clearly found the secret when it comes to running the ball because Detroit just ran all over Pittsburgh's defense. Uh, in this game, I thought, yeah, I thought Detroit Detroit has been playing up to their competition, if that makes sense, in a lot of the games. Like, for every uh, for every blowout loss against the Eagles, for example, they've had a couple of games where they go down to the wire. Like, against the Ravens, like, against the Steelers, um, against the Rams, for example. Like, this team, if a coin flips in a different direction, this team has a couple of wins. And it's probably better than, record-wise, than, like, the Texans and maybe the Dolphins or somewhere in that territory. But, just notorious bad luck. Uh, multiple losses by field goal attempts at the end of games and uh, a few mistakes here and there co- with the occasional complete blowout has led them to being 0 over when it comes to game so far. Um, but this was just a bad, this was not a good game <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, it'll be interesting to see Detroit next week goes up against Cleveland, which will be an interesting topic to talk about. We'll get to that when we go to the Cleveland game. Steelers go up against the Chargers, uh, two teams that are in the same path that are uh, trying to keep hold of whatever playoff shot they've got. The Steelers at this point are the, let me see here, the 5th seed right now uh, and the Chargers are the 7th seed, so it'll be interesting to see how those two go head-to-head against each other. Next game on the list, the Indianapolis Colts go against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Colts come away with the victory here in Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, This game I thought was going to be a blowout and then it all of a sudden became really competitive. Uh, out of nowhere, because the Colts had complete control over this game in the first half, I want to say. Uh, but then in the second half, uh, after some struggles by both teams, uh, the Jaguars kind of came into it in the fourth quarter, I want to say, is that when they really came into it and made this game much more competitive than I thought it was going to be. Uh, For the game, Trevor Lawrence goes 16-35, 170 yards, no touchdowns or picks. Not very good accuracy-wise, but... Uh, I tend to push accuracy away when it comes to the first couple of years for a quarterback's uh, career, just because accuracy... When it comes to a new quarterback in a system, they got to get used to all the timing and stuff like that. And then plus, Jacksonville itself isn't uh, a team with Kansas City's weapons or um, the Chargers' weapons or the Buccaneers or someone like that. So I can understand why uh, accuracy struggles occurred. Uh, when it came to the run game for Jacksonville they had a pretty they had a really good run game 24 rushes for 179 yards and two touchdowns very good there sacked three times which is you know not great I think statistically speaking if you're sacked 2 to 3 times a game you're about uh, average I want to say getting sacked 36 times a season uh, right 36 17 34 34 times a season um, anyway between 34 and 48 yeah that's about where like Some of the higher end sacks are so if you get a sack more than three times in the game, that's kind of a problem. So, uh, that's a thing here. Uh, the one uh fumble lost by Trevor Lawrence was uh not great, obviously. Uh, keeping protection of the ball is something that Lawrence has improved on in recent weeks, and so uh, I expect that to dwindle down to zero, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Trevor Lawrence, as a, as a quarterback that runs the ball a bit, it's gonna be. Uh, imperative that he holds on the ball. Speaking of quarterbacks that tend to hold on to the ball, Carson Wentz, 22 of 34 for 180 yards, no touchdowns or picks. Um, they relied on the run game this game, 27 rushes for 127 yards for Indianapolis. Most of that by Jonathan Taylor, who has quickly become one of my favorite players on this Colts team. Uh, there is something about him when he runs the football that is just fantastic to watch. That's all I got. You got to watch some highlights of, uh, of Jonathan Taylor because he is such a fun player to me to watch. In this game, uh, yeah, like as I mentioned previously, it was a pretty, I guess, a stranglehold for the most part uh, on the cold side of things, initially speaking. And then when it came to the fourth quarter, uh, the Jaguars sort of came back and did pretty well. Uh, now, of course, one play we got to talk about is the blocked field goal um, that was blocked in return for a touchdown. Uh, obviously, a huge swing when it came into the game. Uh, and that's sort of what gave the Colts control in the beginning. Uh, that third quarter, though, it was a lot of three and outs back and forth with each other, and neither team could get back on the groove of things. So I thought both defenses played really well in that quarter, and uh, eventually the Jaguars kind of found that crack, especially in the fourth quarter, and was were able to like, really um, get things going again. Uh in this game overall how this relates to the standings the colts are the only other team that has playoff shots in the afc south uh, and they're definitely not catching the titans after losing i think they've lost both of their divisional matchup against the titans so they're fighting for a wild card spot at this point um the colts right now are the 10th seed in the afc so they still got a bit of uh, difficulty and they're going up against the bills next week meanwhile the jaguars uh, not statistically eliminated, but sort of metaphorically eliminated eliminated from the playoff hunt. Uh, next week, going up against the 49ers, which will be a fun matchup to see. Uh, but we'll touch on that once we get to the 49ers. The next matchup on the list, another upset alert, as the Washington Football Team at home takes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Washington Football Team comes away with a 29-19 victory over Tom Brady and the Bucks. This was weird. Uh... This is one of those games that I think sort of fits into the Ravens mold of just, yeah, we'll lock it up for the Bucks, Just like we locked it up for the Ravens. And then that just didn't happen. Um, a rather interesting game. What we've talked about this entire year is how the defense of the Washington football team just hasn't lived up to expectations. Uh, they did pretty well this game. Uh, while Brady didn't get sacked, I felt like he got pressured into making bad decisions a lot. And uh, that's why his stats, while they don't look like it, uh, I don't think Brady played as well as the 23-34 for 220 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions did. Um, those two interceptions, very, very good plays. Um, though I think I think one of them was, again, one of those, it counts as an interception, but uh, bounce off the hands of receiver type of plays. Uh, on the other side of things, Taylor Heineke had a really good game, 26-32 for 256 and a touchdown, though he was sacked five times, which is not ideal. Um, the rush game, I think neither team did particularly well. Tampa Bay barely rushed the ball. They ran it 13 times for 53 yards. And then Washington ran it a bunch. They ran 34 times, but only for 94 yards. They did score two touchdowns, however. Um, in this game, I think that's kind of what did it. Washington played the strategy that you generally do when playing against the Bucks or playing against Tom Brady in general, which is control the football. One thing of note, Washington held the ball for nearly 40 minutes compared, obviously, to Tampa Bay's 20 minutes. Uh, that kind of helps when, you know, you, you can't lose to Tom Brady if Tom Brady doesn't have the football, which is kind of the strategy there. Um, that's basically how this game sort of went. Uh, neither team was able to do much of anything for the majority of the game uh, until, like, the scoring just kind of opened up for Washington. Um thought it was a very, very... Uh, the last drive, I think... Is the one th- yes yes the last drive of the game was one thing i wanted to touch on um so washington gets the ball uh not technically the last drive of the game washington gets the ball with about 11 minutes remaining in the fourth quarter the score right now is 23 19. they you know cannot give the ball back to tom brady they got 11 minutes left uh this is a four point game so basically their goal is to go down the field score some points i think with a field goal um The field goal, they make it a 7-point game, so they're going down the field at least trying to score a field goal. What do they do? They milk basically the entire fourth quarter. They go from 10.55 is when the kickoff is, and when Antonio Gibson scores a touchdown at the very end of the game, uh, they have 31 seconds left on the clock. 31 seconds left on the clock, or 29 seconds, I'm not 100% sure. Um, So they milk 10 minutes and 30 seconds from the clock on this final drive where it's just... Taylor Heineke hands it off. Taylor Heineke hands it off. Taylor Heineke runs himself. Uh, this was a master performance of what to do when you don't want the other team to have the ball. Because they they did it like it was Madden, where they just did not let you have a chance at making any sort of play whatsoever. And I thought that drive was phenomenal. Uh, the upset victory, of course... I don't think for Washington's sake it's going to do a lot because Dallas is well ahead in the division. I think the Eagles are the clear second right now. Um, but for the Bucks' sake, another loss for the Bucs. I think this is back-to-back losses for the Bucs, who are right now at the four seed. They're number one in the South, but uh, the Saints, of course, just one game behind them. The Panthers are uh, being loud, and even the Falcons have, uh, while they have a losing record right now, uh, have made a lot of noise. So... The Bucks have not taken the stranglehold on the division the same way that the Cowboys or uh, or the Packers, I guess, uh, have taken that stranglehold. The best example, I guess, is the Titans. Uh, the Titans, Packers, Cowboys have really controlled their division, and the Bucks have not done the same, uh, giving their, you know, fellow compatriots in the NFC South an opportunity to uh, potentially take that uh, divisional crown and therefore first game home field advantage in the playoffs uh, away from them. So, Bucks gotta do better, I guess. Washington next week going up against the Panthers, which will be a very interesting matchup. While the Bucks next week are heading to New York, where I think the Giants, every time they've played the Bucks in recent years, all I remember is the Giants winning. So, will that continue? Who knows? Next game that we've got here, a huge blowout as the Cleveland Browns go to New England to take on the Patriots. The Patriots come away with the victory 45-7 to in a complete destruction of the Browns. And the craziest part is, I think the Browns, yeah, the Browns scored first. So the Patriots scored 45 unanswered points to uh, basically send the Browns packing to where they once came. This is a game of two different teams. On two different trajectories. The, and, and not in the one is going up, one is going down, but one is going sideways while one is shooting upwards. Um, so one is a straight line up, but one is the side and line going down, basically across, uh, making a nice perpendicular, uh, like graph, so to speak. Uh, we'll start with the team going sideways. The Browns, uh, n- the Browns did not do much in this game, uh, after that first touchdown, which was a pretty, pretty good drive to say the least, but, uh, nothing great afterwards. Baker Mayfield ends game, 11 for 21, 73 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Once the game kind of got out of hand, Case Keenum came in, 8 for 12, 81 yards, uh, no touchdowns or interceptions. The Browns were sacked as a total five times. Um, this was not Browns football. They ran the ball 20 times for 99 yards, uh, didn't have a lot of passing yards, couldn't really establish much of anything beyond that first drive, and I think that's kind of what did them in. Uh, They weren't able to get a lot going throughout that game, and they couldn't make any stops, which was rough. Uh, The interception on the second drive killed momentum there, a couple of punts for the rest of the first half, and the Patriots just minding their business as they go down the field scoring points. Uh, Now, moving over to the Patriots side of things, uh, Mac Jones. Hey, is Mac Jones the best quarterback of this draft? Early results say yes, at least. Uh, Mac Jones, 19-23, 198 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, sacked twice. Uh, Brian Horror came into the game a little bit later, uh, and I didn't even realize this, actually. three He was 3-for-3 three three for 85 yards. I do not remember the 48-yard pass that he threw, but there you go. Um, this was a masterclass of how to play Tom Brady football, which is effectively what they're trying to do. They're trying to play Tom Brady football, not in terms of the modern-day Tom Brady, or the, I'm going to make stats explode Tom Brady of like the late 2000s. But this is early 2000s Tom Brady. Dominant defense. Brady's just a game manager. There are players here that are better than he is. And he's just going to hand it to them and let them do their business. Um Perfect example there. Ramondre Stevenson. 20 rushes for exactly 100 yards and 2 touchdowns. uh Ran the ball beautifully in this game. Uh, they had a few other players like Kendrick Bourne, Brandon Boldrin, uh JJ Taylor ran the ball f- as well. Just making it a dominant rushing attack, where they ran the ball 34 times for 184 yards and two touchdowns. If that doesn't epitomize the concept of 2000 football, I don't know what is. Um, just a great game by the Patriots. Uh, the Dol- I was going to say the Dolphins. The defense was just stifling, I think, at the end of the game. Just making it so that the Browns couldn't do much of anything beyond that first quarter. That first 15... 15- Play scripted drive one great for the Browns, then afterwards, nothing. And that was incredible. Uh, if you the masterclass of just how to blow out an opponent. Now, uh, I think the question now becomes for the Patriots, how high can they go? They are currently six and four right now, which gives them enough to be currently the sixth seed, although they are half a game back against the Bills, as outside shot the Bills um Can you know take over, or it can lose their second seed to the Patriots. The Browns, meanwhile, are five and five in this division, full of players and teams that are going up against each other. The five and five record, finally, enough gives them the 11th seed in the AFC, which just goes to show how strong this AFC actually is. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the game plan is for both of these teams. The Patriots go up against the Falcons on Thursday Night Football, which will be a, I think, sneaky good match, considering the Falcons have been a pretty quiet good team. Uh, though they have a losing record right now, and the Browns have a matchup against the Lions, which of course the Lions have always been fighting every opponent until the very end, so it'll be cool to see what happens here. Um, is it bold of me to say Bill Belichick wins Coach of the Year for this performance? Not just not just this performance, but like the season as a whole. Is he in the running? Or do we just ignore Belichick for Coach of the Year? Because I can understand that, but also, like, look what he's done. Uh, you know, rookie quarterback, a team that wasn't particularly great last year, and has just drag them up and it's not like you could point oh they've got this star player here that's taken over it's a lot of guys that we don't really know the names of that have done really well this year yeah you i'm know, i'm just throwing it out there i think there are other coaches that are probably more deserving of this award but um you know it's an interesting decision uh i don't think that's going to be the case i think like frapple has a good shot at winning it or um Maybe like a you know a couple of other coaches. I think Variable is like the number one in my head based on the current standings. But like you know, Belichick, maybe, maybe. Not a hundred percent sure if you can tell, but I've kind of moved locations uh, and the mic setup since uh, we last spoke oh so many minutes ago. Uh, next matchup, another blowout matchup. The Dallas Cowboys take on the Atlanta Falcons. The Cowboys win 43-3. I am ashamed to admit it, but I did pick the Falcons in this matchup, partly because I am an Eagles fan, and partly because I thought the Falcons could be, like, one of those teams that you don't want to face because uh, they'll sneak up on you. Uh, the Cowboys decided to nip that in the bud real early in this matchup. Uh, they, at one point in the game, actually after an early field goal by Young Hoku. Uh, decided just nah, we're just gonna score a bunch of points and see what happens. Uh, they of course end the game 43 to three because uh, you know they felt like and all of that was in three quarters as well. They didn't score a single point in the fourth quarter, uh, nor did they particularly try to. I think at the end of the game. Uh, let's start with the Falcons. Uh, Falcons go have Matt Ryan go nine of 21, 117 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Not a great game for him. Granted, uh, I think Matt Ryan didn't have a lot of choice of what he wanted to do. It was kind of just, hey, I'm gonna see what happens here. Uh, Josh Rosen came into the game at one point and he didn't do any better. One of six and threw an interception himself. Uh, meanwhile, Dak Prescott uh, kind of slept his way into 24 of 31, just not really trying. He was just, you know, sleep, sleep quarterbacking, I suppose. 24 of 31, 296 and two touchdowns. Uh, no interceptions on the game. <laughs> Cooper Rush came to the game a little bit afterwards. 3 of 3 for 17 yards. It says here that Ezekiel Elliott threw the ball for 4 yards. I'm not sure when that was, but um, I guess he was credited for a throw forwards. I do not remember that play, though. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, did you know the Cowboys are a very good football team? Uh, I hate to admit it, but they are. Uh, it was just a dominant performance by all stretches of the game. Just nothing nothing doing there. Uh, I think... Just going through the statistics as well, Dallas didn't run the ball notoriously well. They ran it 37 times for only 114 yards, but uh, three touchdowns on the ground does kind of help. Atlanta 24 for 103. uh, Respectable, but not particularly outstanding rushing performance for them. This game, honestly speaking, was over when uh, the Falcons went for it on fourth down very early in the game. So the score right now, uh, this is... In the first quarter, with about 4 or 5 minutes remaining, uh, the score is 7-3, to three. it's still anyone's game and they decide to go for it instead of taking the field goal attempt, which would have been about a 45 yard field goal attempt, I think? Uh, 35, 45, it'd be about a 50 yard field goal attempt. A bit, a bit long, but Yungoku can definitely kick that type of field goal. Uh, they decide to go for it instead. They don't make it. And then Dallas kind of just takes over from that point. Uh, they don't really, the Falcons don't really have another shot at the end of the day of like heading down the field and being able to score that until very late. In that point they're already trying to go for it, trying to make, you know, any shot of scoring, uh, you know, the touchdowns and stuff that they needed to win the game from there. Um, Dallas has a stranglehold of the NFC East, I think that's pretty safe to say, barring a collapse from them or a real rise from the Eagles, which is possible if you look at the Eagles schedule, but I don't think the Cowboys are going to fall apart uh, enough to do so. They've pretty much wrapped up the NFC East, now they're just fighting for a higher seed in the playoffs. The Falcons, with this loss, they were the 7th seed coming into this game, I believe, um, but with this loss fall down to the 10th seed in the NFC Although, the Panthers are the team right ahead of them, so there is definitely a shot at that. Uh, next game, the Falcons, as I mentioned, go against the Patriots on Thursday Night Football, which will be an interesting matchup. Uh, the Cowboys Week 11 matchup is against the Chiefs, so that will be an interesting matchup against two teams that are on the right path. So, we will be cool to see how that goes. Speaking of upsets that I predicted wrong, hey, this is sort of that, uh, the Carolina Panthers at the Arizona Cardinals, the Panthers come away with a dominant 34-10 victory over the Cardinals now, who, uh, I guess should be concerned? Not particularly, and we'll explain why in a second. Uh, starting off with the Panthers, uh, P.J. Walker, 22-29 for 167 yards, no touchdowns, and the interception, uh, the big thing, of course, that you want to think of, and you know when you watch this game, Cam Newton is back, and he is better than ever, or at least he's healthy enough to be able to be better than ever. Uh, According to the game itself, he had his own specific packages that he went to the game. Did that pretty well. Cam Newton 3 of 4 for 8 yards and a touchdown, uh, and also ran the ball 3 times for 14 yards and a touchdown as well. A lot of it, you know, goal line stuff. Um, Very good game for the Panthers quarterbacks as a whole, I suppose, if you want to combine both of them into their performances. They ran the ball 37 times for 166 yards and two touchdowns, one of them being Cam Newton's, uh, and total passing was a decent effect. nothing particularly, uh, outstanding from that regard. Um, penalties though, a lot of penalties. They had nine penalties for 115 yards. it has been a thing for the Panthers this season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so keep track of that. I think once the Panthers get that settled down, they'll be more like the beginning of the year than they were at than they have been recently, uh, but they controlled the ball throughout this game, which is very nice. For the Cardinals, uh, Colt McCoy, 11 of 20 for 107 yards and the interception. Chris Streveler came into the game at some point, 6 for 9, 36 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions for him. McCoy had the interception. Um, yeah, they, they just, the Cardinals never really got comfortable during this game, or at least comfortable enough to be able to do something for an extended period of time. Uh, by the time the points were being scored, the game was already out of hand. Uh, the Cardinals forced points, which was a Matt Prater field goal, was when the game was 23-3 to at that point. So, you know, kind of, they, they the, the Panthers really took control of this game through a combination of, uh, hey, Cam Newton is back and Zane Gonzalez field goals, which is funny, because funny, uh, because I believe Zane Gonzalez was a kicker for the Cardinals at one point. Um, very funny. Anyway, uh, Good game for the Panthers as a whole. I'm interested to see how much they're going to use Cam Newton in the next game. If he's going to be that like gadget guy for this year, or if he's eventually going to take the starting role with Darnold out, or is are they going to do like a two QB type of thing? Um, it'll be interesting. Is Cam Newton going to be the Taysom Hill for the Panthers? Except just more of a quarterback and less of the uh, you know special teams and receiver and all that sort of stuff. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, kind of funny, not going to lie. But uh, I don't know if they will go quite that far in this game. Um, just something to think about the Cardinals right now with an 8-2 record, uh, have the number two seed right now. They are tied with the Packers, and of course, uh, the Packers have the head-to-head matchup win, so they are, the that's why the Packers are the number one seed. Uh, the Cardinals now number two seed, while the, uh, Carolina Panthers, with their win, uh, head to the seven seed, as I mentioned previously right now. It's basically right now that seven seed, uh, is being fought for by a bunch of teams, although with the Saints... And uh, their matchup, uh, that 6th seed is also up for debate. The 5th seed, no shot. Right now it's the Rams and uh, they have a commanding lead over anyone else. So it's really that 6th and 7th seed that's being fought for by like 10 different teams or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that'll work out. Um, Yeah, the the Cardinals uh, next week, they'll be going up against the Seahawks while the Panthers will go up against the Washington football team. The next matchup, the Minnesota Vikings at the Los Angeles Chargers. I thought this was a pretty uh, competitive game for the most part, uh, though the Chargers come up just short as the Vikings win this game 27-20 over the LA Chargers. Um, In this game, Kirk Cousins, who has quietly put up a really, really good season, if I'm not mistaken, this year, uh, I'll pull those stats up in a second. Kirk Cousins, 25 of 37 for 294 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, sacked twice as well. Um, let me just pull up Kirk's Cousins' stats this year. Um, yeah, despite being 4 and 5. Yep, just making sure that I'm looking at the right year. Uh, despite being 4 and 5, he's had a really good season. Um, 68.1% completion percentage. Uh, he's got an 18 to 2 interception to touchdown ratio, uh, which is... Heads and shoulders above his best season, especially when it comes to interception percentage. Uh, Because his interception percentage right now, 0.6%, which is, you know, stupid low. Uh, Overall, like, very, very good season this year. That's trying to just gone under the radar because, uh, well, one, it's Kirk Cousins, and not many people are focused on what Cousins is doing on a regular basis. And also, uh, just the fact that they haven't been winning as many games as they have been, you know, as other years or uh, other teams but yeah quietly he's putting up a very good statistical season this year. Uh, but something to keep note of. this is the first one actually for the Vikings against a winning opponent. All five of their losses have been against teams with a winning record. and all three now all three of their previous wins were against losing record teams, first one against a team with a winning record. Uh, for the Vikings as well, they had a really, uh, heavy emphasis on the rush, although it wasn't as good statistically speaking, 33 rushes for 103 yards and a touchdown. Chargers kind of didn't settle the run 19 of 82 for a touchdown, and I think part of that was just because a lot of the late game was uh, them trying to catch up and win, um, especially after the Dalvin Cook touchdown run uh, in the fourth quarter. At that point, they're just you know passing their ball to try to get something happening. Uh, but in this game, uh, Justin Herbert, 20 of 34 for 199, 195 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, he was also sacked twice. And this team, the Chargers didn't really have a great rush at the end of the day. Um, great great rushing attack in general, which kind of impacted the way that they played the game. So that's something to, to keep in mind as well. I think a lot of their success this season has been uh, through play action which is what a lot of teams obviously do, but the Chargers have done a better job than most, and that's how Justin Herbert's been able to play like, uh, Patrick Mahomes in previous years, but now with the Chargers having a couple of games skid, I think, uh, the Chargers no longer are as dominant as they have been in weeks past. They are currently the seventh seed now, uh, dropping four seeds, actually. Wow, I didn't even realize that, um, from last week, uh, so the Chargers now, as I mentioned, the seven seed, they'll be going up against the Steelers next week, while the Vikings now are the eight seed. They're just right outside of the bubble with a bunch of other 4 and 5-esque teams. Uh, we'll be going against the Packers next week, though, so it'll be interesting and important for them to win that matchup, not only to uh, boost their own chances, but to uh, make sure they can stay ahead of the pack when it comes to the, uh, not just like head-to-head matchups, but also the fact that there are like 10 different teams in the bubble, uh, on the bubble for that 5th or 6th seed. Um, yeah. Next matchup, the only shutout this week, the Packers go against the Seahawks, and the Packers win 17-0 against Seattle. Um, I think the Packers have won five out of the last six matchups coming into this game against the Seahawks. Uh, I might be completely wrong on that. That might be a completely false made-up fact. But also, uh, it sort of felt like that, and this game was no exception. Honestly speaking, neither this game wasn't particularly interesting when it comes to watching because it was a lot of just nothing doing. Um, I think a lot of just punts back and forth. Uh, There was the missed field goal by Mason Crosby who has been up and down this season if I'm not mistaken. Let me pull up his stats real quick. Uh, Um, Let's see. Overall. Let's see. Is that right? He's 14. Yeah, he's 14 for 21 this season. Not great. Um, he has had a dip like this in the past, I remember. It was like 2018 or 2017, something around there. Um, yeah, the 2018 one pops, pops into mind, where he was like in the like 80, like high 70s, low 80 percentages, which is uh, where he normally is, but like in the past couple of seasons, like 2019, he was 91%. Last year, he was apparently perfect. So uh, for him to drop down to 66%, very uh, not great, but, you know, I, I think Crosby's a habit of, uh, having stretches like this and then coming through through the playoffs. So that'll will probably be what happens this season anyway. Um in this game though, uh Seahawks could not get anything going. I think half the drives they had ended in uh like three and outs specifically. So not great for Seattle. Just couldn't get anything going while the Packers were able to get at least a little bit going, uh at the end of the day. With Seattle ends their game uh 16 rushes for 75 yards. Russell Wilson goes 20 of 40 for 161 yards. They just could not move the ball at all. Wilson also had two interceptions. Again, not great. Uh, Rodgers, 23 of 37 for 292 yards. No touchdowns in an interception himself. Again, this game, very not... Uh, this was not... When you went out to watch football, this is not exactly what you wanted to see unless you love the punting game. Uh, and while I'm all a fan of punters, uh, them having control of the entire, like, first two quarters, with the exception of one drive... <laughs> Not exactly uh, the, the the matchup we expected when coming into this game. Um, for this, the Packers with this win, uh, it is a win nevertheless, and as a result has pushed them up to the 1 seed. They'll be going, going up against the Vikings next week, while Seattle with this loss actually pushes them down to the 14th seed in the NFC. Uh, By no means are they out of it, especially with how that 5 and 6 seed is going, but it'll be tough to get another win against the Cardinals next week, who are trying to bounce back from their own loss. So, Packers right now, clear control not only of the division, but have uh, the best path to the number one seed, especially with how the only other team in competition with them are uh, the Cardinals, with the same record as them. Uh, The Cowboys are a half game back, I think, because uh, the Cowboys have had their bye. So, there's a shot there, but I think the Packers have full control over their destiny, so to speak. Uh, and can win if they, uh, win out. Which, you know, possible, um, probably? Possible? I dunno, the Packers are an interesting team this year, uh, excluding all the off-the-field stuff. The next game is the game I focused on the most. Why, you might ask, it's because it's the Eagles going up against the Broncos at Mile High Stadium. The Eagles come away with a 30-13 to, 30, 30 to 13 victory. Over the Broncos. Uh what a game. What a game. And I'm saying this from an Eagles perspective. Uh, what a game. First off, Jalen Hurts, 16 for 23, 178 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That does not look good, but I swear, uh, if you watch that first half, it was easily, I think, Jalen Hurts' best game. I think he was precise, he was making plays, he was throwing the ball when he needed to be throwing, and I think one issue. Uh, people have had with uh, Hertz is if the the read does not exist, he immediately goes into run mode a lot early Michael Vick. Um, that was not the case today. He was moving in the pocket to throw the ball when needed to be and then ran the ball when he had to. He did run the ball 14 times for 53 yards, but it didn't feel like he was forcing himself to run if that made any sense. Um, and then speaking of run game as well, Philadelphia has somehow unlocked the code when it comes to the run game. Uh, they ran the ball 40 times For two hundred and fourteen yards, no touchdowns on the on the ground, but they didn't need to, uh, because Hurts was passing that ball beautifully early on, Um, and also a defensive scoop and score uh, by Darius Slay that helps a lot as well on the fumble return that was eighty three yards, just helped at the end of the day to be able to end with their thirty point scoring. Uh, The rush game was split between Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, who each had about the same number of carries for about the same number of yards. Um, And I am curious to see, I think Miles Sanders is healthy enough, potentially gonna come back next week. Uh, Will the Eagles, I assume they're going to continue this because it's clearly worked over the past couple of weeks. Uh, And with Miles Sanders being the one running the football, he has been a really good, to potentially great uh, running back for the Philadelphia over the past couple of seasons. Uh, Always a high yards per carry type of running back. So, you know, if he's carrying the ball now, that makes this one game that's already pretty good even better so good to see potentially there for the broncos uh bridgewater didn't play poorly i think 22 of 36 for 226 yards no touchdowns or interceptions um the eagles defense uh as i've mentioned previously is a very bend but don't break type of defense and uh today they just didn't break um usually if they break that's when the eagles lose but today they just didn't uh the rush game for the broncos 18 rushes for 96 yards i think um, the game was relatively close for the majority of the game and the, until the very end, so it's interesting to see that they didn't run the ball as much as I thought they would, uh, especially with how, you know, Melvin Gordon and Jamonte Williams are pretty good running backs. So, you know, it's interesting to see how that works as well. Bridgewater was also sacked, each quarterback was sacked once in this game. Um, not a great sign when it comes to the pass rushes of both teams because both of that that that's been in the years past the strengths of both teams, although with the Broncos with trades and the Eagles with sort of getting older on that pass rushing line, uh, it's shifted into being more of a run stopping line as opposed to the pass stopping line. Um, but that is where uh, things go here as we move on toward the future. As I mentioned in the previous. Uh, games this episode, the Eagles have a pretty decent shot at making the wild card uh, with a four and six record right now. However, their schedule, strength of schedule is remarkably easy. Um, and I only know this because I've seen their schedule, strength of schedule, um, like the remaining episodes or remaining get games. The next week they play the Saints, which is a tough matchup, but remaining on their on their docket is the Jets twice against the Giants, twice against the Washington football team, once against the Cowboys. Um, I think that's six... Wait, let's see, two, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, that's yep. I think that's right. Yeah, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um yeah, ten games, seven, seventeen games, yeah. Uh so with the uh the Saints being the only the Saints and the Cowboys potentially being the only good teams, uh and I say potentially only because the Cowboys is the final week of the season, the Cowboys may be rusting their players, uh, depending on how uh the playoff picture looks at that point. Um So technically speaking, the Saints are the only guaranteed good team that the Eagles will be facing um, with the struggles that the Jets have the Washington football team and the Giants. Uh, The Eagles have a realistic shot at running the table uh, which would put them at 11-6. I don't think it's going to be that good, but uh, with the way that they've been playing relatively recently, they have a decent shot of going, you know, maybe 10-7, and 9-8, and eight, which could be a decent shot of making like the 6 or 7 seed, which is basically what they're fighting for at this point as the Cowboys have kind of taken control of the NFC East. For the Broncos now, with this loss, they're heading into their bye week now 5-5. Five and five. Uh, The 12 seed in the AFC with the rest of their division uh, picking up the pace, so uh, not great right now. The Broncos are actually the, uh, bottom of their division, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, they are the bottom of their division right now, um, with a respectable five and five, but again, they're in the AFC this year, which is a very, very good division, so they're gonna have to pick it up over the next couple of weeks, uh, recover from their bye, get healthy, and see if they can start making some wins later on in the season. We finished off with the main games of Sunday, which means it is now Sunday night football as the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders, Raiders sorry, go head-to-head. Uh, the Chiefs dominate them 41-14 to in the first real uh, dominant Chiefs game that we've seen, maybe this season? In a while, at least. It's been a while. Um, yeah, Patrick Mahomes goes Patrick Mahomes on the Raiders, 35 of 50 for 406 yards and five touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Tommy Townsend game into the game through threw a pass for 16 yards. I thought I just mentioned that because, you know, shout out, uh, shout out the other QBs. Uh, the rushing game for Kansas City, 25 of 94. Uh, not particularly focused on the run. They ran the ball enough to consider it a threat, but they didn't have to at a certain point just because of how dominant this game was. This game was uh, basically over... Um, it was a fight until the mid-third quarter. And then after that, the Chiefs just kind of took over and went from there. Uh, meanwhile, the Raiders, uh, Derek Carr, 25-35, to 35, 261 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Um, the rush game did not exist for the Raiders. 14 rushes for 50 yards. Uh, and considering this game was relatively close for two and a half quarters, surprise that the rushing game wasn't nearly as good as uh, the Raiders have had in the past. Um, if you were to look at the uh, just how this game went... Um, the Chiefs punted on their first drive, and then every drive afterwards had at least a shot of making it of making points. Um, and I say that because they has the drive someone like this: punt, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, miss field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, end of game. Um, yeah. So the first drive was just them working out the kinks apparently, and then the Chiefs just kind of drove down the field and continued their dominance from there. Um, this was a this was the this was the Chiefs that everyone was expecting when coming into the game. Or coming into the season, sorry. Uh, just completely manhandling every team that goes against them without any, you know, worry whatsoever. Uh, the Chiefs now, somehow, just because of everything that has occurred now, despite every sort of problem they've had throughout this entire season, right now, are 6-4 and four at the top of the AFC West. They are 6-4 and, and at the top of the AFC West, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, each, I think, at one point in the season, held the number one seed, not the number one seed, sorry, the, the top spot in the division, and just couldn't capitalize on it. The Chiefs are now on top of the division, and although they have a tough matchup next week against the Dallas Cowboys, uh, really do have an opportunity here of just saying, hey, we got all this stuff out of the way now, all those problems, all those issues, early on, we are back, here we go, all of y'all gotta remember who exactly we are. As for the Raiders right now, with that loss, they are the nine seed, however, uh, the wildcard spot for the AFC is, just like the NFC, uh, a huge fight, except in the AFC it's all a bunch of winning teams, while in the NFC it's a bunch of losing teams that are fighting for the uh, final couple wild card spots. They do have a shot, one of them is against the Chargers themselves, and the Raiders next week are going against the Bengals, who are one spot ahead of them in the uh, AFC picture. Uh, the eight seed and the nine seed going against each other, so it'll be uh, interesting to see how that matchup goes, because that will play a significant role, at least in the immediate future, when it comes to playoff seeding. Um, Chiefs are back, uh, for all of y'all that didn't uh, take advantage of it when you had the chance, uh, this is a problem. So, uh, good luck! That's all I gotta say. As someone, a fan of a team that is nowhere near the Chiefs, in terms of both skill level and, uh, proximity when it comes to the playoffs and seeding and all that sort of stuff, uh, ASA teams, good luck. And then the final game of the week, uh, of course, of course, just based on how this entire season has started, uh, especially the last couple of weeks. We started off with an upset win, we gotta end it off with an upset win as the San Francisco 49ers beat the Los Angeles Rams 31-10 to in a complete uh, destruction that uh, nobody really expected. N- nobody, yeah, nobody expected this when going into the game. Uh, the Rams are struggling rushing-wise, which is weird to say because this is A, the Rams team, and B, Stafford left the line specifically because of this uh because of a lack of rushing game and then this game turns back into a hey, we need Stafford to do everything um speaking of Stafford doing everything he tried uh 26 of 41 243 yards touchdown and two interceptions also sacked twice. Johnny Hecker threw the ball because you know Johnny Hecker throws, has to throw the ball at least once a season um but overall there was no run game whatsoever. They ran the ball 10 times for 52 yards Well the 49ers on the other hand ran the ball 44 times for 156 yards with well, it I think that I think their goal, the 49ers is to have one game where they run the ball 49 times and just, you know, 49 times for 249 yards or something like that, just for, just for the 49ers sake. Um, and they did this despite nine penalties in the game, which is not great for the 49ers. Um, those two interceptions were killer. I think for a few of those drives, uh, cause they were back to back in the first quarter. Um, one of them, I think, this is the thing that's been memed about a lot, is Stafford overthrowing uh, Odell Beckham, I believe, early on in the first quarter. Not great. Uh, this leads into a touchdown, and then the second drive that the uh, st- that Stafford has um, intercepted by Jimmy Ward, touchdown, bang. That's what that's what you got. Like n- out of nowhere, that turns this game early into the f- early from the first quarter uh, from a potentially close game. To a 14-0 game in the first quarter, and then after that, the, the, the Rams really just couldn't bounce back. They got the touchdown, uh, Tyler Higby from Stafford, and then after that, you know, Debo Samuel runs an eight-yard rush, the field goal by Robbie Gold, the deep pass from Timmy Garoppolo, the 40-yard touchdown to Debo Samuel. Um yeah, and that just kind of sealed the deal there. The 49ers sort of playing like what we expected when the 49ers came in. The Rams with this loss bounced down to the five seed now. Uh, and while the Cardinals have been a surprise team at the top of their uh at the top of the NFC West, we all thought the Rams were going to be just right there behind them, and while statistically they are, they're just one game back against the Cardinals, um, especially after the uh, the Cardinals' loss, the Rams no longer look as invincible as they have been in the past, especially considering all of the new acquired weapons like Vaughn Miller, like Odell Beckham, and then they have Stafford along with Cooper Cup and all of this, like Robert Woods and everybody else, um, yeah, that just didn't... up being successful there the 49ers also controlled the ball for nearly 40 minutes as well which definitely helps um time of possession i think is a very underrated statistic but uh i think it would be cool to see actually and i might do this in the future or maybe at the end of the season just doing a study of like this time of possession actually win games because a lot of people say controlling the clock uh is important and that was very anti so as an eagles fan um I, i i endured Lived through the Chip Kelly era where time of possession didn't really matter, um, and while Chip Kelly was successful with that uh, in his three seasons as the Eagles head coach, uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I think statistically speaking, does the team with higher time of possession actually win the game, or is that just a uh, you know just a, a thing like defense wins championships? Even though um, it's you need both sides of the ball, obviously. Um, as this game continues, the Rams again have the bye. The 49ers are going up against the Jaguars next week, so they might have a shot if this if they win. Then again, despite all of the 49ers' uh, chaos, if they win next week against Jacksonville, I think they end up being potentially like the 7th seed, which is remarkable considering all of the chaos that was going through the 49ers early on in the season. I think there's like rumors that Kyle Shanahan was on the hot seat, which is surprising. But, um, you know, here we are, a couple of good wins, and all of a sudden everything seems to be cleared up perfectly. And that wraps up everything for this week. A very good, interesting uh, week when it comes to upsets and just games that didn't expect to be as good or bad as they were. Uh, Next week, of course, we'll be continuing this trend uh, and we'll see if I'm any better at predictions. For prediction's sake, I hope I get everything right. And then for uh, for reality's sake, I hope the games are all very interesting. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. I hope that you have enjoyed. If you want to check out the predictions that I make or talk about throughout this episode and other episodes as well, you can follow me on Twitter at Adurin Region. is at A-H-D-U-R-I-N-Region, for more about all these predictions that I talk about um, and the thoughts that I have, about the NFL, and other stuff as well. I host a bunch of other podcasts that you might be more interested in, or equally interested in, and you can check that out, again, going through Twitter. There's a link tree in my profile. and go from there. Um, without further ado, we can wrap this episode up here. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you have enjoyed again, until next time, everyone, take care.